Day after day and week after week, we, friends, are living in a broken world. And you need Jesus. This world needs God for we're living in a broken place. You know, when I was a kid, my dad, one of the many hobbies that he had was going to auctions and he would buy old cars and fix them up and sell them again. It was just something he enjoyed to take something and repair it and, and just have the joy out of it. And somewhere along the way, I went with him a few times and I recall the guy that was talking about his experience at an auction. And he went to this auction where they were selling cars, auctioning them off to benefit a charity. And they classify these vehicles in one of two categories. It was a start or a no start. It was a runner or wasn't a runner. And, uh, you know, if you look at this picture here, this is a car the guy said that they had. It, not this specific car, but one like it where it was a no starter. And it had a shattered windshield, two missing tires, a sagging front bumper, a cockeyed grill, and a hood that was gone, and dings and dents all over this thing. And before they started the auction, the auctioneer announced the year, make, and model of the vehicle. And then he shared the owner's comments. And he says, owner says, radio does not work. <laughs> I think there's a lot more wrong with this vehicle than a broken radio. Some people, friends, are like this car. They are absolutely broken. And it seems like most don't even know how they arrived at that. It's kind of like the Lutheran pastor. He, he would start every week, the Lord be with you. And the congregation would respond, and also with you. And it was just this mantra, this cliche that, Every week, the Lord be with you. And the people just automatically said, and also with you. Well, this one week, he got up to, to, to start the service and, and to get ready to preach. And the first thing he said, well, this, this PA system doesn't work. This mic doesn't work. And they said, and also with you. <laughs> well, you and I know the truth. And there's something wrong with all of us. And friends, we're living in a broken world. There's nothing new about this, but the horror and the tragedy and the pain is just palpable these days as we see things now, oftentimes in real time as it's happening, whether it's on Facebook or any kind of a social media platform, and everybody's got a, uh, you know, a camera or a phone, and they're recording these incidents. And we see the emotional trauma. We know the pain. We see the problems that people have. And there's something wrong with us. And I'm telling you, friends, we need Jesus. We're in a series right now that we're calling God of Miracles. And we're looking at the different miracles that God performed in the Scripture. And so the question I really want to offer you today as we begin to think about this is, really, what do you need more of? Anybody here need more patience? Anybody here need more time? Not enough time to get everything done. Anybody here maybe need better health or maybe you need more strength or more money or it could be any number of things. More energy. Probably we'd all like to have more energy, 
Whatever it is that you are in need of this morning, that's what we're going to be taking a look at because the Bible here teaches through an unforgettable dinner experience how God can take a little and turn it into a lot. How God can take just a small, an infinitesimal amount in the grand scheme of things and suddenly multiply it and give you an incredible blessing, a great abundance and turn things around. You know, the most famous miracle in the Bible is found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. It's the feeding of the 5,000. And when you're in the greater context, and if you have your Bible, I invite you to take it with, uh, get it out or your phone. And we're going to follow along here a few verses of Scripture here in Mark, chapter 6. But in the greater context, Jesus has just sent the disciples out two by two to go out and to preach the gospel of repentance to let people know the kingdom of God is at hand. It's time to get your life right. And the Lord has sent these disciples out, and they're going out to uh, tell the people and to cast out demons and to bring healing upon people. And they're coming back and assembling back there in the Galilean region, and they are reporting back to Jesus the things that they had done and the things that they had said. And then notice with me here that... It says here that there were a lot of people that were coming and going, and they really hadn't had a chance to eat. There were so many things that were happening. The crowd here had gathered to see what was going to happen next. And notice the scripture that unfolds down in verse 34 in Mark chapter 6, that when Jesus got out of the boat, he saw a large crowd, and he felt sorry for them. And they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he spent a lot of time teaching them. And when it was late, his disciples came to him and they said, No one lives around here and it's already late. Send the people to the closest farms and villages to buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus replied, Will you give them something to eat? They said to him, Should we go and spend about a year's wages on bread to feed them? And he said to them, Well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they told him five loaves of bread and two fish. And then he ordered all of them to sit down in groups on the green grass. And they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And after he took the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to the heaven and blessed the food. And he broke the loaves apart. And he kept giving them to the disciples to give the people. And he also gave pieces of the two fish to everyone. And all of them ate as much as they wanted. And when they picked up the leftover pieces, they filled 12 baskets with bread and fish. And there were 5,000 men who had eaten the bread. What a story. You know, this is the only miracle that you find in all four of the Gospels. You see it not only here in Mark 6, you note it in... John chapter 6, you see it over in Luke 18, also Matthew 14, and it must have really captured the awe of the people. Here is something that is really incredible, and God has worked in some miraculous way. Now, a lot of people note here, it says 5,000 men. And a lot of people believe, some of the scholars think, that it wouldn't have only been the men there, but they would have had their wives there. There would have been women there and likely children. We know from John chapter 6 that there was a little boy who was the hero of the story that actually produced the lunch and the food. So you know there had to be 
others there. And some say this could have been more like the feeding of the 10,000 or the feeding of the 15,000. But it's the only recorded miracle of all the Gospels. Now, as you know, Jesus never does a miracle just to be flamboyant, to be showy, to kind of prove a point, just to be proving a point. But he does it to teach us something. And in this miracle here, I want us to look at some of these steps of how God takes a little and he turns it into a lot. And when there is a need, sensed by a few, and each individual, we accept responsibility to do what we can with what we have, regardless of the odds, God works a miracle. And we see this repeated in the scripture time and time again, how God comes into the situation and he takes a little and he turns it into a lot. Well, today in this story, the feeding of the 5,000, I want us to see some truths here that we can kind of take from how this miracle unfolds and apply it to our very own life. And the first thing you note here as God is working in this situation, the first step is you kind of establish the problem. You establish the problem. You identify the difficulty. And you notice that in verse 34, the problem is very obvious. I mean, there's a large crowd. They're in a remote location. There's nothing to eat. There's at least 5,000 people, maybe 10, 15,000 people. Who knows? Right out in the middle of the desert, and there's no Bojangles. There's no Popeyes. There's not a Sonic anywhere to be found. What are you going to do? Well, the point is, every miracle begins with a problem. And if you don't have a problem, you don't need a miracle. If you don't have a need, you don't need a miracle. And the problem could be any number of things. It could be a financial concern, especially in this crazy inflation world that we live with so many problems in the economy. It may be a physical problem. It could be something material. It could be some emotional or relationship problem. It could be any kind of issue but it must be a legitimate problem, you see, if God's going to work in the situation. wonder today, does anybody here have a problem? Does anybody here have a real need today? Because if you do, I've got good news for you. You are a candidate, a bona fide candidate for a miracle to take place in your life. But the starting point is always to recognize, to identify that problem. Now, a second thing that you notice that kind of unfolds here in the story is the disciples here next, they accept responsibility. They kind of endorse this, uh, this, this, this thing going on. They, they assume responsibility. And you know what? God, it seems, wants us to get concerned about our situation before he does anything about it. Now, notice in verse 35. By this time it was late in the day and the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and into the villages and, and buy themselves something to eat. And you see suddenly here the disciples get concerned. And look at all these people out here. Look at all these people that are looking for some chicken nuggets. They're hungry. They're famished. What are we going to do? They accept responsibility. And Jesus doesn't appear to do anything here at this uh, time until the disciples get concerned. 
And when they accepted responsibility, all of a sudden, Jesus here started acting. And notice here as you keep going through this, this portion of the scripture, the disciples saw the need and they came to Christ and said, Jesus, do something about this problem. We've got a multitude of people here all really hungry. And the response of Christ is telling in verse 37. And he says, will you give them something to eat? Now, this is a practically impossible situation. And Jesus is saying, you go ahead and do it. You be the solution. And he's getting them, if you see here, to kind of accept responsibility. It's practically impossible. And I mean, even if they had all the hamburger in the world, how are they going to produce 15,000 tacos just like that and feed everyone? And not only is it practically impossible, it's financially impossible. They do a little calculation and they're like, this is eight months wage. This is maybe a year to take us to have enough money to provide the food that we need here. And Lord, we can't afford that. We don't have the money for this. Now, there are a couple things, if you stop and think about it, that the disciples do here in this text that we often do when we find ourselves in impossible situations. And the first thing I notice here about this is that they procrastinate. Anybody here like to procrastinate? I got to tell you, I don't normally procrastinate about a lot of things, but sometimes I do, especially when it's kind of one of those, you know, dirty jobs kind of thing. And, you know, uh, some time ago, I had leaves, all these leaves that had kind of gathered in the gutters around my house. And, boy, I kept putting that off. I thought, well, you know, I'm going to wait and make sure they all come down. I don't want to do it two or three times. And I knew I was going to have to, you know, pull out the car and get out the old ladder and change my clothes and do it on a day when I had a couple hours and get my gloves and just get all dirty and and I kept delaying and delaying and delaying. And what happened? But a terrible storm came. And it just flooded the basement. The water just went over the side, uh, you know, of the roof, over the gutters, and down into the window wells, and just had a mess. Oftentimes, we delay, we put things off, and we only make things worse. Notice in verse 35, by this time it was late in the day. They had put this thing off. They'd had those people out there on the countryside. They knew there was a potential problem brewing. But they wait until the end of the day and they did nothing. And Jesus just waited on them to kind of accept the responsibility to face the music, to face the facts. Sometimes we might call this the but first syndrome. But first Let's say you decide you're going to do the laundry today. And so you gather all the laundry and you start downstairs and you get downstairs and all of a sudden the newspapers are all over the floor. Well, I'm going to get to the laundry, but I got to pick up these newspapers. And so you set the laundry there on the table and you start gathering the newspaper. Oh, wait a minute. There's the bills. There's the mail on the table. I forgot to go through that yesterday and I was expecting some important things. So you drop the newspapers down there and you start going through the mail. And you go through the mail and you find, oh, wait a minute, here's a bill and it's got to be paid today. And so you forget going through the rest of the mail and you're going to look for your checkbook or to get your password book because you got to get on your browser and you got to pay this thing. And you get started on that and all of a sudden you find a baby bottle on the floor. And you take the baby bottle and you put it there 
on the sink and you realize, oh, I've got all these dishes. And so you start cleaning up the dishes and then you find, lo and behold, there's the remote control. I've been looking for that thing. And so you stop doing the dishes, you dry your hands, you pick up the remote control, you're headed to the TV room and all of a sudden you, you step on the cat and you realize the cat's hungry. And so by the end of the day, you're just simply exhausted and you're wondering where in the world did the day go and what happened at the end of the day? The laundry's not done, the newspapers are still on the floor, the dishes are still there uh, in the sink, the bills aren't paid, you couldn't find the checkbook. The cat finally maybe got fed, but you try to figure out where everything has gone. And it's the but first syndrome. But first I got to do that and nothing ever gets done. The question I have is what difficult situation in your life are you putting off? What are you delaying? What are you not addressing? Because the second thing that you notice here about these disciples, it's something that we notice happening in our day. We see it on TV quite a bit. We pass the buck. Do we not see that? In verse 36, just send the people away. Somehow there's the thought here, just let these 5,000, 10,000 people, just sweep them under the rug. Let's out of sight, out of mind. Let's look the other way. Pretend it doesn't exist. Maybe if we just ignore it long enough, the problem will just go away. And basically the disciples said here, it's not our problem. We didn't send an invitation, an RSVP, out to all these people and ask them to come here. We didn't create this mess. They have their own uh, situation. It's they that came out, and they need to do something about it. You know, I'll never forget, one of the days the, the kids came running into the house, one of our kids came running in and screaming as if their heart was broken. And we said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And they said, Jordan broke my toy. And we said, well, how did he break it? I hit him over the head with it. <laughs> you know, one of the biggest cop-outs in this phrase in our world today is it's none of my business. It's none of my business. But I've got news for you. If you have a friend who's headed in the wrong direction, folks, it's your business. If you have a grandson or a daughter or someone in your family you dearly love and you know they're headed in the wrong direction, they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, friends, it's your business. If you've got a dear friend, a dear neighbor, and you know they are messing with something they shouldn't be messing with, it's your business. Don't procrastinate. Don't pass the buck. We need to assume some responsibility. But I want to say another thing that's evident here in this text is you need to give all you can. You need to give all of yourself. You do what you can, and you do it with what you have. And God waits to see what you're going to do with what you have first. It says in verse 38 these words, how many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Now, we know in John's account, in John chapter 6, that, as I said, it was a little boy that seemed to be the hero of the day because in that gospel account, it tells us that he produces this sack lunch to the party. He brings in and produces this glad bag with about five barley loaves and a couple of fish 
And he gave it all to the Lord, and the Lord produced an incredible miracle with it. Now, as I reflected upon this text here in John's gospel and upon this situation with the little boy, I note three things about this kid uh, that is important for us to understand. And I think it's important because you need to understand how these miracles unfold. And the first thing here, as you notice, is he gave what he had. He just gave what he had. He, he didn't give what he didn't have. He gave what he had. And I mean, he had five barley loaves, which back in that day wouldn't have been probably the greatest like Hawaiian bread, right? It, it wouldn't have been the sweet appetizing kind of bread, but he, he gave what he had, probably inexpensive cheap bread. He gave a couple of fish, probably a couple of sardines. But he gave what he had. And never underestimate what God can do with our limited resources when we truly give it all to Him. What He can do through us is amazing. How He can transform our situation is like completely amazing. And the second thing you notice about the way that He gave this is He gave God all He had. He gave God all the five loaves. He gave both fish. He didn't hold anything back from God. You can't hold anything back. I wonder today, are you holding something back? So many people say, yes, I want to follow Jesus, but I can't give you that. I can't give you this. I've got to hang on to my career. I've got to hang on to this, this secret thing I like to do. It, it makes me feel good, and I've got to keep doing that. Notice something else about this boy. He didn't say, well, I'm going to tie 10% of my lunch. I'm going to give you just 10% of the fish or 10% of the bread. But when God asked for it, he flat out gave it all. And the other thing you note here about this, he gave it immediately. He didn't say, well, I'm going to sleep on it. Let me think this over for a couple of minutes. Let me, let me think this through. Let me talk to my financial advisor or to my, my dad about this. But as soon as it was needed, he gave it to Jesus and you know, why don't we give like that when a miracle is really needed? You know, God doesn't care so much about what we give as is how we give it, our condition of our heart, how we have an attitude in our life. Lord, here I am. Send me. Use me. Work through me. Now, how did this miracle happen Friends, I don't know. Our progressive friends and others today would say, well, uh, you know, I really don't believe in some of the supernatural things. And, and I think really what happened here is this little boy came and he produced a sack of lunch and he really kind of uh, made the people, the masses feel bad. The small groups got together and they started talking amongst themselves and Jesus said a nice fancy prayer and they just kind of felt uh, this social tension uh, you know, between everybody, and they all somehow pulled out their Snickers bar or whatever little bit they had. They secretly had some things. But you know what? I think that is so far-fetched. Something incredibly miraculous happened. It really happened. And I don't know, maybe... The Lord broke the bread, and as he broke it and handed it off, the main piece didn't lose anything, and it just kept on giving. But let me say to you, God specializes in things that are humanly 
impossible. We see this three times in the scripture. We see it in Jeremiah chapter 32. It says, nothing is too hard for God. We see it over in Luke 18. What is impossible with us is possible with God. And we see it here again in Mark chapter 6. And no matter how big the problem is, I want to say to you that God can handle it. You know, I really sense today that there are some of you that are really going through some trying times in your life. And I want to challenge you this week to really read this story again because God, I believe, wants to do a miracle in your life. God says he would never leave you nor forsake you. God said he is overcome the world. We are more than conquerors. Why don't we go to the Lord, give all that we have, all of ourselves, assume responsibility and say, Lord, I've created this mess. Or I just find myself in this mess that was no effort of my own, but here I am. Lord, I need you. Take all of my life. Use me, God. Come into my life. Do a miracle in my life. Will you join me in prayer? Oh, God, today...